everybody. This is Andrew Gamison with the Speaking for Him podcast. Very grateful that you are here to join us. I have some exciting news coming off the top of the show today, and that is um, recording tonight and posting over the next few days is actually a two-episode podcast spectacular in uh, in cooperation with the Menacing Millennials podcast. So I have my friend Russ Van Allen here in my virtual studio. And so welcome to the show, Russ. Hey, thank you, Andrew. I appreciate that. It's, it's great to be with you. It, it's great to actually be able to uh, see you as we're recording because uh, usually when I'm recording for Menacing Millennials, I hear him fine, but I don't get to see him. So it's good to see you, especially in this day and age when we're not going to see people very often these days. So, yeah, and I'm I'm glad we can actually uh, go, you know, face to face, so to speak. Um, yeah, usually my main computer that I use doesn't have a, a webcam on it. And so it makes it very difficult to conduct a Zoom meeting like this because uh, we just do audio. But, you know, we make do. Uh, but I am glad that I have the opportunity to, to have this, uh, you know, quote unquote, face to face. Well, as I said, just very excited to have you on the show. I've been on the Menacing Millennials about uh, four or five times over this past year, and it's Mm. been a blessing to me to be able to collaborate with you guys. So I thought it was about time that I had at least representation from the Menacing Millennials on my own show. So um, I'm very grateful that you had the time to do this and just excited about the opportunity So I wanted to just start out um, by saying I remember, I don't remember the exact year, but I remember several years ago, I was kind of just scrolling through Facebook and I saw um, this link that you had posted from Blog Talk Radio. And it happened to be the early days of the Russ and Eyes Your Day show. And I think, if I remember correctly, it was... Um, probably two or three years after I'd started my podcast, but can you, uh, tell me how you kind of decided to do a podcast, maybe how you discovered the medium? Yeah. Wow. That's a good, uh, throwback there to the Russ and I's your day show. Um, yeah, I, I got into it. I was actually trying to find a job in radio, like legitimate on the radio sort of thing, uh, which is no easy endeavor whatsoever. And I was communicating with the program director for a uh, local radio station here and basically saying like, hey, uh, A, will you hire me? B, if you won't, how, how do you get into this? And he directed me to uh, to two different sites. He essentially told me, go start a podcast and get yourself out there. And so he gave me uh, two different options. I forget one of them, but then the other one was where I was for a bit, Blog Talk Radio. And that kind of launched off that the, the podcasting experience, which I've done fairly steadily in different iterations over the years since then. I I think that was probably, man, that's got to be back, what, 2014, 2013, maybe even 2012. Yeah, we're sitting at 2020, and, you know, I've done 400 
and 20 plus shows myself. So, I mean, I've, it's been a long time since I've been in the podcast uh, field and really it's kind of the same way for me. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the first time I saw anything about podcasts was when I had a Blackberry style and oh, I, and they had yeah. a, they had a podcast app on there, but I naively thought you had to pay for podcasts. I had no idea what a podcast was. I just right. thought it's probably an extra fee. I'm not going to even touch that app because I don't want my parents to get an extra high bill next month because I did something stupid. Yeah. So, so that was my first exposure. And then I actually went to a, a, a Bible conference and talked to a guy who was a radio DJ. And we had the similar conversation was the fact that the, the a good way to get started is to do podcasting because then you are actually broadcasting you have broadcasting experience and so that led me to as a result of being involved with morning devotions on wjq out of zealand michigan that led me to um doing a podcast out of their studio for um seven plus years and actually just moved it home uh, because of the pandemic and because I was able to procure new audio equipment, I was able to move it home permanently. So, and I've learned a lot about editing and all that fun stuff that I never really thought about because someone else always did it for me before. Yeah, I, I still, I still loathe editing and I try with all of my might to not have to deal with it i've kind of relaxed that a little bit as i've kind of as especially with menacing millennials uh the thing well the thing about blog talk radio is i never had to it was live so there uh wasn't editing you you essentially you yeah could it re- was what it was yeah you had the option to record it and post it if you wanted to but the main uh part of recording on blog talk radio was live it was like podcasting radio which was pretty cool it's pretty cool format and i was considering blog talk radio before i got the opportunity at the radio station um but one thing i will say about those early days of listening to you on blog talk radio was i tried to tune in live but i don't know if it was just that my internet connection was so stinking slow back in those days Mm -hmm. Um, but i i always listened i always ended up listening to it after it posted because listening live was very difficult. So I, I would imagine that I would still have some of those issues. Although um, the fact that we have a, a, a faster internet is definitely good for things like this with zoom. So. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And it, you know, that was nice that they are, you know, basically archived the episodes so people could listen to them. Cause I think a lot of people had problems trying to listen to them live back in the early days. I don't know how they, do now but i know back in the early days when when i was doing my show there they had a lot of issues live for for that system well the the big thing today seems to be anchor um and i i haven't used it yet um but i i did download it because they have uh it was recommended as a conference call they have a conference call feature so if you're doing a phone call interview it's supposed to be clearer than a regular phone call and so i haven't used it yet because i haven't done a phone interview yet but i downloaded it for that purpose so we'll have to see how that goes when the time comes because i definitely want to be able to do interviews with people 
that might not be technically savvy enough to log on to Zoom on their computer. Although we're all having to be more technically savvy these days. So yeah, we're we're kind of all forced into that environment now where your uh, your your phone was always yeah your phone was a connection source to other people, but now it's even more so with with the advent of the desire to see people uh, with the video calling apps, all sorts of them out there. It's it's so interesting because Zoom was one of those apps that I downloaded once this February when I was getting ready to uh, clean out my computer and just deleting files left and right. I was like, maybe I should delete Zoom. But I left it there for some reason. And then lo and behold, in March, I started Zooming all the time. Yeah, right. So I'm glad I kept it. So you've been through a couple iterations of your podcast. You did Russinize Your Day by yourself for a while. Mm-hmm. And then when you when you brought Brent on board, was that still Russinize Your Day at that point? Yeah, yeah. In the beginning, um I got I was pretty ambitious with Russinize Your Day in terms like I would for a, there were quite a few times I would go even like two hour shows just live on, on blog talk radio. That's a lot like to try to, <laughs> to hold that down on your own. Um, it is. I, I was the, the biggest thing I was scared about, about transitioning here to my house was this idea that I was going to carry even a half hour podcast mm, without mm-hmm. an in-studio co-host. Cause I always joked with my co-host Adam that at least one person was listening every time I came in with content because he was sitting across from me and at least he was pretending to listen. Now, of course, I know I have other listeners, but I really feel like it comes off better when it's an actual conversation. So I still prefer conversational podcasting to myself, but I, but I have noticed that I've gotten better at carrying the show because I've had to. So it's just been another growth skill, I think. Yeah, it's, it's kind of fun when you put yourself in that position to see kind of what you're actually capable of doing. Now, you know, for me, when I first started Russ and Nice Your Day, I really did envision myself uh, through probably a bit too large of an ego, but as a bit of a Rush Limbaugh-esque persona. He was a hero of mine at the time. Uh, well, that brings up that brings up our quote of the day. Oh, yeah. And I simply put as the quote of the day, excellence in podcasting. Because you kind of riff off the EIB network, his excellence in broadcasting slogan, and you brought it to the podcast market, excellence in podcasting. So I had to throw that in there. I, I saw that and I appreciated that. And if that's, you know, that's my, uh, I, I, I really, like I said, big fan of Rush. And so I kind of ripped, clearly ripped that off from, uh, from him. But I thought it was fun to to just have our, you know, excellence in podcasting. Um, I still use it sometimes on the menacing millennials. Even uh, I'll throw it in there every now and then, just as a nice, a nice little homage there. And uh, and I know in some ways it's it's it kind of gets joked around about, but I do know as a content creator, <clears throat> and you can relate to this too, that you do want to put out high quality content mm-hmm. that people want to listen to, and that's kind of been the exciting thing of having the new equipment is now I can actually have other audio on my show and react to it in real time instead of being like 
if I want to do that, I have to splice it in afterwards. That's what I did for the first six or eight weeks. And that was really hard and really long. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I I'm really quite, and I, I think I've, I've mentioned this, but I'm slightly envious of your new, uh, as a fellow podcaster, your new equipment there, because it does, it takes a lot of effort. Uh, you know, we, we have decent equipment of our own for our show and we get by with it. Uh, maybe, maybe someday I'll be able to upgrade that, but you know, we, we make do for now. Um, well, if you ever get those sponsors you're talking about, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, if you, if you keep mentioning them, they'll come, right. That's the whole goal. Uh, but <laughs> you do want to, I have thought about what it would be like to have a sponsor and it would be nice if I could find something that was in line with my podcast vision that would be willing to be a sponsor. But at the same time, I don't want my podcast to become a postcard or a long infomercial for something else. Cause that's not why I want people to listen to. So I listen to it. So I kind of struggle with that a little bit. Yeah. And I get that too. And back actually when I was doing Resonize Your Day, I did have a sponsor, uh, nothing, nothing huge. I was an old family friend who was a realtor. Um, she was wonderful. And basically it helped me cover the, the cost essentially of just doing the podcast. Like it wasn't anything spectacular, but I mean, that was a huge thing just to be able to, to, cause specifically with like blog talk radio, you had like 30 minutes free and everything else you basically had to, it was a behind a paywall. And so that at least helped me kind of bust open a little bit to a little bit more ability using that platform. Well, I have a a thing with my uh, audio provider where I upload my audio, where you can only do individual episodes of like an hour or less. Of course I could just Charlie Kirk it and post three podcast episodes a day. I don't know how the guy does it. Yeah, that's ambitious right there. But I, I he, that's what he does. Like, and I, you know, he does a good job with it. <laughs> he does. I, I enjoy him. I just can't keep up. No, I hear you. No, that would be, uh, that's a whole nother level right there. Well, I was going to try to reconnect back. I was, uh, I, see, this is a big problem with me. Is I, I can get off on rabbit trails sometimes. Uh, but I had been making a statement about your original question you asked me before I got too far off the, uh, the beaten path there. And I was going to try to circle back around and touch base on that, but then I completely forgot where I had left off. <laughs> well, we, I think we were talking about the iterations of your podcast. So I was just yes. going to bring you up to today because we talked about you doing it solo. I remember mm-hmm. in the early days you did it like three times a week and then you tried five times a week for a little while. And then you kind of got a little burnout, which Here's an interesting story from my perspective. My initial thought when I first started uh, conceptualizing the podcast was I'll do an hour long podcast every month. And then my radio, one of my radio mentors was like, you're not going to get any attention. If you only do it once a month, you need to do it, you know, at least weekly to have regular listeners. Yeah. And so then I said, well, I'll try to do a half an hour a week. But the funny thing is, my very first recording session, first episode, Adam hits record. I start doing my show. I feel like there's a good flow. I feel like I have good content. It's a good episode. 
He stops it at the end. I look over at him. I say, how long was that? He says, seven minutes. (laughs) And so I was like, this is going to be harder than I thought. Oh, it's amazing how time is completely different when you're recording something. You look at the clock and you're like, that's, wait, that's been five minutes? You think you've just gone off and laid this whole big, you know, uh, production out. And it turns out you've barely even scratched the surface. Well, and I, and I think the one thing that I, I, the biggest area of growth, I think for me is being comfortable with dead air. Mm-hmm. Because I used to think I had to be talking 50 miles an hour. So if I made a point and then let dead air hang, I'd be like, why is there dead air? But if you listen to my recent shows, I'm a lot more comfortable letting there be a few seconds of dead air. And you got to have that. I've, I learned that dead air just by listening to people on the radio because there's sometimes where i've been like wait did they did i lose the station and then all of a sudden they start talking again but but going back here to the uh kind of the iterations there yeah brent and i brent started with russ and i's your day and then i kind of felt bad because it was still russ and i's your day like that was my my name plastered all over it um so then we kind of morphed it into just the aptly named Russ and Brent show. Uh, kind of in the way we were big. So and in that time, it's interesting. The iterations kind of go along with with kind of who we're fans of. I was a fan of Rush Limbaugh doing it. Yeah, so I did it solo. And uh, then as, as Brent and I podcasted together, we were big fans of uh, from from Glenn Beck's podcast. He has his co-host and producer. Stu Regeer and uh, Pat Gray, and they had a show called Pat uh, Pat and Stu. I listened to Pat and Stu a lot more than uh, Len Beck, to tell you the truth. Yeah, I was right there with you. I actually, I was a big fan of of, of Pat and Stu, um, and so was Brent. And so we kind of fashioned ourselves in in that vein and did the Russ and uh, and Brent show, and you know, I think. Back then, a big problem I had was getting discouraged easily and quickly even, you know. And when you don't have kind of that kind of growth or that kind of, I don't know, that steadiness of people listening, like you're still like, well, there's, you know, it keeps going up and down, up and down. You know, we have a, we have a few people, then we have none, and then we have a few. And then, so it kind of was a bit discouraging for me. And I think that kind of, we, we fizzled out there with, with the Russ and Brent show uh, as we kind of tried to, to make it. I mean, the goal is to, we wanted people listening and we wanted an audience. And when we weren't really seeing that, it it discouraged, I think both of us, to be honest. Oh, it, it can be very discouraging. Like currently I have like two or three people that give me regular feedback on my show, but that's about it as far as regular feedback. Now I know there's 20 to 25 listening Mm -hmm. and you know, I would, I would do it for seven, but it's, it's great to know that there are people out there listening. A lot of times when I post the podcast, I upload the audio before I write the description of the podcast. So I will upload the audio, write the description, and then I will load the page with the newly uploaded podcast and there's already two or three listens on it, which is an awesome thing. Cause that means people mm-hmm. are getting it off of a podcast app. Most likely. Um, by the way, I have to throw in here that I did get on Amazon last week. Nice. So, 
and I discovered myself on um I'm blanking on the name right now, but there's a there's a podcast service that's trying to get people to pay monthly subscriptions for it, and I forget what it's called, but my podcast is on there, so they must have fetched it and put it on there, so that's good. But it's kind of funny that that people would try to do a paid podcast app in this environment where you can get so many free shows. Yeah, and you can get a, I mean, Google Podcast itself is just a free app you download and can listen to free podcasts. I mean, there's op, there's options out there for the for the free route, and so it does seem silly that somebody would try to get you with the pay, you know, paywall, but. Okay, so we you you started the Menacing Millennials podcast in January, was it? Yeah, was, uh, I believe the first episode we posted was January 16. And was John your second cohort? Was he on board in the beginning? Yes, he was. Yeah. He was uh from the from the get-go. It was the three of us. Uh Brent, myself, and then John. Yep. And and you know, if you listen to the Menacing Millennials podcast, you know that John is most famous for his moments of silence. Moments of and silence. His yep. Breaking the fourth wall. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That... <laughs> it's fun though. I'm glad he does it, to be honest. There's a there's a secret part of me. It'll be a it'll be a little spoiler alert that I you know, I kinda I like that he does it. It's funny. No, he no, I I, I enjoy it. I do I in all seriousness. I wish that he would speak more. So I, it's been encouraging when Brent can't make it to hear him on the show and actually hear that he can carry half of the show. Always surprises me. Even even when we do it multiple times, it still surprises me that he's he's so talkative. And I've known him for such a long time too. So, <laughs> Well, I think if he's anything like my brother, it's just a matter of getting him around the right people, mm-hmm. the right comfort level, and then he, you know, He'll talk, but when he's first getting to know you, it won't necessarily be the case. Yeah, and I like too because he's specifically with John. He presents a whole different uh, viewpoint, not necessarily ideologically different so much, but in terms of you know, Brent and I are pretty engaged in politics and enjoy it. Um. And John's not so much. He has different interests that he brings to the table. So it kind of helps branch out a bit because, because the menacing millennials isn't, isn't strictly a political podcast. It's, it's really an all encompassing podcast, which might be painting with too broad of a, uh, too broad of a brush, who knows, but uh, you know, we like to have conversations about things that are happening. I think it's interesting kind of sometimes how you guys go from the really funny to the really serious in the same show. Yeah, um, but that's good because I mean that is life. I think we need a little bit of both of those things. I think um, I've been talking more about current events, being able to do the podcast at home and not having to record three weeks ahead of time. Mm-hmm. I've been talking more about current events on every show, and I have been talking about more politics than ever before, just because of where we're at as a country and the fact that I see a lot of apathy. Um, among people or they make the excuse this is one that's really starting to grate on me is christians will say well you only care about politics because you have an unhealthy view of american exceptionalism and you put and you put america above the bible or the gospel 
And, and my response to that is, no, the reason that these issues matter to me is because they matter to God. And mm. I think you have to have a biblical worldview influencing your politics in order to make a real difference in the world. Have they actually said that to you? No, but I have one okay. particular Facebook friend that has posted numerous posts to that vein. You know, just in general, he'll post like a really long post about how how conservative Christians are obsessed with Trump or they're obsessed with with conservative viewpoints. And I'm like, well, the reason I talk about things like the sanctity of human life is because we're talking about life or death. Mm-hmm. How does it get more important than that? And how that's the biggest problem with that issue is half of the world says it's a political issue and won't touch it. And half of the world says it's a religious issue and won't touch it. So where do you go? Yeah. It's, it's amazing how, especially too, I think we're in such a, a we're in a fairly polarized time when it comes down to, uh, to politics there. And I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I do. I do think there are people who do hold America and even, and even I would even say in Trump to a level that, uh, that I would say isn't a great place to hold too, too high up on, on a pedestal. I oh, do think. And people, I agree. I do and, definitely agree with that. But I don't think you condemn all of mainline Christian, you know, evangelical Christianity, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it, American Christianity, uh, in, in that fashion. You can't, you can't paint with that broad of a brush in general, though, you know, because then you're going to, you're going to get yourself with that too, a little bit, if you, if you're painting with that broad of a brush. So through this year, for the most part, for Menacing Millennials, you, you've each kind of brought a segment of the show. And then the last few weeks, you've gone a little bit more uh, free form, if you will. Now I, I've never been that comfortable with f- free forming it. I've tried to do it. Um, um, and, and my version of free forming it is still having notes, but doing segments that don't necessarily fit into other episodes. So, um, but again, th- this, podcast episode has turned into largely free form and I'm, I'm a little more comfortable with it than I would be if I was trying to riff by myself. True story, folks. When Russ first was starting his podcast um, and I listened to it, he had an executive producer that I, I seriously thought was a real person. And I thought I knew who it was. And then I realized it wasn't a real person. And Russ was able to carry on this conversation with this mythological executive producer. I had a couple iterations of uh, either intern or executive producer on the, on my podcast. I, that was a way that helped me cope with having to riff by myself. Cause if I ever just got into trouble, I just like pretend somebody caught my attention or something in the other room or, yeah. uh, you know, or next to me, whatever. And you know, you just kind of get into it and you're like, well, you have to commit or you're, 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 you fall on your face. So, so, um, it is, uh, Christmas time. Um, it's going to be different for a lot of us. Of course, all of the talking heads in Washington and in various States are telling people not to gather or to gather very minimally. And so we'll, we'll see how all of that shakes out um, but I, I just, over the last couple of weeks, I did my top 10 
Christmas movies of all time. Oh. And I did it with the caveat that it, it had to be family-oriented Christmas movie that I thought taught a big lesson because there are definitely some Christmas movies a la um, Jingle All the Way, perhaps, that at the end of the day don't have much substance to them. So I did not think that they qualified to even make the list. But is there any movies that particularly come to mind for you when you're thinking about Christmas movies? Yeah, I, I really have two that kind of jump into uh, to my mind here. Uh, I think of uh, White Christmas, the classic. Uh, I've always been a big Bing Crosby fan. And I, for one thing, I just love old movies, too. Um, that uh, That's one of my favorites. I, was, I also was in the play, the musical of it. Uh, at a uh, at a local theater that did it, which kind of helped solidify it as a a kind of favorite movie during Christmas because it's just a lot of nostalgia there from friendships on uh, on and off stage, you know. I had it at number two. Oh yeah, all right. Time. I discovered right. it myself like four years ago. My sisters were watching it, and I sat down and watched it with them, and I've watched it every year since. And I really want Master Arts to do it and i want to direct it if we can come out of this covid junk and actually do live shows again that oh my goodness you would be fantastic you'd be a fantastic director at that uh and i think it helps too because i think you would you know there's that certain i i think white christmas kind of evokes that nostalgic christmas feeling with the 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 fresh snow and little shops along the way and you know that sort of that sort of feeling that you get well you know what i what i like is this the songs like white christmas and then of course my favorite on the soundtrack is count your blessings instead of i love that song and i listened to it for several years on a christmas record before i ever knew where it came from and i just i love that song so it'd be awesome if we could suspend belief um enough which we probably can't but if we could i would love to be either bing or danny oh yeah <laughs> so, cause, I'd, cause... I'd watch it i'd go see that one so when what was your second one well actually this one uh is uh, my second one is christmas with the cranks have you ever seen that one i have that that actually it was a better movie than i thought it was going to be when i sat down to watch it the first time same i had that same experience I I think when it culminates in the end of it and kind of his, the way his heart changes towards the people around him, I thought it was kind of a cool uh, story and kind of a, a tr- nice transformation uh, in that one. It was very, it was, it was heartwarming, if you will. Yeah. And the interesting thing I thought about it was it was a little confusing because it's actually based on, the John Grisham novel Skipping Christmas. Right. Well, that that was another surprise to me was that it was based on a John Grisham novel. Because he has he he has like forty books and like thirty five of them are legal thrillers, but he has yep. the outliers that are not. So very interesting. And I guess I guess I didn't realize that it's kind of in the same way when you realize that uh, uh, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang is written by Ian Fleming, who wrote James Bond. I mean that's. Yeah, that that's kind of weird to contemplate, but it doesn't connect. 
right? So, um, but so, yeah, those would be those would be my two that kind of pop into mind when I think of Christmas movies that I enjoy to watch. Yeah, I, I otherwise I don't. I'm trying to think of some others. Of course, now that you get put, you know, when I get put on the spot here, it's all of them just kind well, of. My number one was uh, "It's a Wonderful Life," and oh yes, yeah. was kind of similar with your White Christmas one because I have play nostalgia from doing it. I was already a huge fan of it when I did the play, but I've done the play twice for Master Arts. The first cast in particular was I have a lot of life. I have a a good amount of lifelong friends from that first cast. And the second cast was good too, just not the same. Yeah. Um, But uh, it was a really good experience. And since I was already in, in love with the movie, it really heightened my interest. And just, I, I think we've all had the feeling that George had that my life doesn't amount to much. And then having a movie like that kind of reminds you that, Hey, you're impacting people even when you don't know it. Yeah. And I, that's a, that was a good one too. Um, and of course, uh, Jimmy Stewart is just a phenomenal act. There's something about those old movies with the actors and actresses in them that just, it's a different, it feels like a different sort of talent, I guess, than what you get now. Well, it does because Jimmy Stewart, if, if you were to introduce him to like, 10 15 year olds today they might say well he doesn't have much versatility because mm-hmm. every time he's like the everyman kind of the underdog type guy like because he did it's wonderful life and he did mr smith goes to washington where nobody thinks he's going to do anything in congress and then he blows everybody away because he he actually has a backbone and uh and then other movies like that and then you, it, it, he doesn't really have that much range, but still you want to watch it because it's Jimmy Stewart. Yep. Yeah. And there's something, there's something just endearing about him and all the characters that he plays. <laughs> just... Probably similar to your love of the Duke. And he actually did at least one movie with the Duke. Yep. The man yeah, well, actually, Liberty balance, right? Which is a phenomenal, phenomenal movie. Um, if you ever if if you haven't seen it and you ever get the chance, I highly recommend the man who shot Liberty Valance. My wife had not seen it um, before we got married, but of course, when you marry a, a big John Wayne fan, you have to watch some of them at least. Um, and I introduced her to that movie, and she absolutely loved it. That's awesome, man. Um, well, uh, I did have one christmas related news story that i wanted to bring up and this was a positive one um are you allowed to talk about positive news these days i don't know if that's allowed apparently uh it's still being posted so i guess that makes it allowed (laughs) all right good Um, uh, but uh this story is about the orlando police department apparently they delivered and donated gifts to more than 200 kids in need um, over the last week or so. And so that's pretty exciting, especially with all the negative stuff coming out about police. Mm-hmm. I was talking on my podcast um, last week about how we don't know context anymore. And I feel like when we talk about police or when we talk about 
other things. We totally miss context. Like I just heard today that there is a a school that, that's taking Abraham Lincoln off their school name because he didn't really care about slaves. Wait, why? Even though he's, been, he's the great emancipator. And earlier, they apparently took down a statue that African-Americans bought to pay tribute to him to say thank you for liberating them. So we've lost the ability as a country largely to to have context. So I'm really glad was really glad to see this story um about police trying to give back to kids, which I think the, the vast majority of them want to do anyway, but yeah, I mean we have this notion that's pushed by the media even. Uh I'm I'm glad to see this. I mean, you had to go to Fox News to find this story though. Um which nothing against Fox News. I'm just saying like specifically I mean, I would expect Fox News to carry this story um, because the others wouldn't. They're, Fox News is still pro-police, while the other media outlets seem to demonize them more um, when they put their lives on the line to protect us. I, I would like to comment quick on the, 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 uh, the what was it, at the school renaming uh, something for Abraham Lincoln or they were removing him from somewhere? There was a school na- named for Abraham Lincoln oh. and they were going to remove his name because – he remind i guess it's because he reminds people of slavery even though they don't think about what he did for the slaves yeah i mean we have to ask ourselves why does he remind us of slavery oh oh right because he freed the slaves uh through a very through a huge war that split the nation in half i've actually been taking a class on on uh american history through i think it was what is it 1877 um so it's kind of been unique to get that fresh perspective of of kind of that that time period um but i i think we've kind of hit peak 2020 when we we are tearing out abraham lincoln from everything because he reminds us of slavery you can't we can't sit here and pretend like slavery didn't happen and we can't sit here and pretend that men and women throughout history have put their lives on the line to end those types of evils. And you think of the cops now who put their lives on the line to to put away bad guys and to end uh, to end evils in our local neighborhoods. And Absolutely. Yet, and here they are, you know, handing out toys and 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 gifts to to people in need who wouldn't traditionally have the and, and look i get that you know christmas is not all about toys and gifts but there's people out there in need who don't have anything well and, and that's reminiscent of another story that i shared last week about a, a woke santa claus i don't know if you heard about this one. Oh this boy no i woke santa claus oh, this should be a good <laughs> well, story the, the four, this four-year-old little boy um and I guess his mom or somebody that was with them was videotaping because it's Santa, you know, but this four year old <laughs> little boy went to see socially distanced Santa and asked him, she, the Santa asked him, what do you want for Christmas? And he scratched his head at first and said, I don't know. And then a few minutes later, he was like, I want a Nerf gun. And Santa's like, I won't bring you guns, but oh. you can, you can get your dad to bring it to you, but I, but I won't bring that to you. Because Santa doesn't bring guns. And 
So the kid started bawling because he's just this four-year-old kid. And my take is, you know, you can have whatever view you want about guns, but don't bring that with you when you put on the red suit. Yeah, right. And he didn't ask for an AK-47. <laughs> I mean, that's good that he didn't. That would be a little bit... It maybe in that case for Santa, that would be a red flag that he would look at me. Ah, well, maybe I should report this kid here. But uh, a, a nerve guy. I mean, even look at uh, what was that movie? Uh, a Christmas Carol. Oh, Christmas uh, Story. A uh, Christmas Story. Yeah, not a Christmas. A Christmas Story. Um, where yeah, he wants the BB gun, and so you'll shoot your eye out. Like maybe that's a bit more reasonable. But a nerve gun. But we, but we live in a culture where we're suspending kids for having Nerf guns on on the sofa next to them during Zoom classes. So, well, and I mean, back in the day, we were we were suspending kids for chewing their for you know eating their their pancakes at uh, at breakfast into a shape reminiscent of a gun. Uh, so I guess maybe have I guess have we improved a little bit? Have we progressed in that area? I guess maybe. Uh, it's 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 all around silliness to to have this man, mentality. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't do us any good for sure. Well, okay, uh, it's been great to have you on the show, Russ. And uh, guys, I know listening that this may have been rambly in places, but I think it's kind of good to get out of the normal mold and just kind of have a good conversation and i hope that you enjoyed this as we kind of try to point things a little bit toward christmas as we're going toward that time i hope that you will uh embrace that and seek to um as charles dickens said turn your eyes to that a humble abode where the wise men found the star and embrace the child um who christmas is all about in Jesus. Um, but before we go, Russ, I just wanted to say, if you were going to give, uh, like a 30 to 90 second elevator, elevator pitch, why, uh, people should join you over at menacing millennials. What would you say? Uh, we're funny is, is what I would say to that. Uh, you know, we've got the main focus of our podcast is, is making you laugh and we do tackle some serious topics, uh, but it's a very conversational tone, which as Andrew pointed out, you know, on this one, we were a little rambling. That's, you know, in some spots, that's how it happens as we have, we sit around a table and we talk and it's kind of a, a marketplace of ideas, if you will. And at the heart of it is making you laugh, uh, even in the face of, of difficult topics and difficult situations, just bringing a smile to somebody's face. Now you and and you know we we neither of us had any idea that COVID was going to change our year the way it did, but for both of us, I think it's it's led to some interesting directions, podcast wise. And I know for all of us, for all of you listening, it's changed some things for you as well. But I hope that above all, that you have seen God's faithfulness through all of this, and that you will be benefited from this conversation. Uh, that you heard today and that you will share this podcast with your family and friends. I hope that you have a great week. Uh, Make sure that you join us 
on menacing millennials for the second half of this wonderful podcast spectacular and above all keep serving the best of masters thank you for listening to today's episode your host has been andrew gomison founder of speaking for him for more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com you can find andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com that's speaking the number four H-I-M. You can also interact with us at Facebook.com slash Speaking For Him and on Twitter at Speaking For Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.